Hey everyone, it's Lacey Skulls from VH1's Rock of Love, and this is Talk of Love, the new podcast. This isn't just reality, this is real life. Hey everyone, it's Lacey motherfucking Skulls, and this is Talk of Love, episode 49. I am really excited about today's guest. We're going to have Dara on. You may know her as Like That from Labor of Love season two and from Charm School with Monique. Um, First, I just want to take a second uh, to talk about, so basically when we film these podcasts, we film them like a week, sometimes a week and a half early than when you guys see them. So this has, by the time you see this podcast, it will have been some time, but this actually just happened in real time where New York went on Instagram and she did an Instagram live with a transgender woman named Sage. And it was basically addressing everything that we've already talked about where people were upset about some of the transphobic comments that were made on One More Chance. People were very dissatisfied and disappointed by um, New York's first Instagram video where she addressed this. But more recently, she went on Instagram and she she basically brought a, a member of the transgender community on to really go point by point and help not only New York, but I feel like also New York's fans uh, to help them understand why there was so much hurt and so much pain. And it was sad to see because even within that um, on Instagram Live, people were still talking shit in the comments. And of course, that's just going to happen. I mean, there's going to be haters uh, no matter what. But I feel like Sage did a really great job of really explaining to New York why this was a problem, how this kind of uh, transphobic rhetoric can and oftentimes does lead to violence and why that is the reason it's such a big deal. Um, but I thought New York did a really great job of really listening and putting her ego aside, which is really hard to do for all of us. You know, nobody wants to admit that they fucked up. Nobody wants to admit they hurt people's feelings and, and it's easier just to be defensive. But I thought New York did a great job of putting her ego aside and, and really listening. Um, and so for that, I do commend her because this is all a growing process. If we're willing to put our ego aside and listen and learn and grow, then, then we're allowed to make mistakes, you know, within, within reason. So I thought that was a cool thing to, to see, especially everything we've been talking about. And also the episode that I had with Believable and with, um, Eden the Doll, the trans, uh, trans rights activist and model. So yeah, I thought that was really cool to see how that all played out. And, you know, one thing that I will say, I know there was people on New York's comments and also those of One Mo Chance that still clearly don't get it and we're being a little shitty about it. Here's how I can lay it out um, that is kind of easy. And this is, this is something that you can use, not just having to do with this specific social issue, but you can use this for just about anything in life. Whatever, whenever there's a um, controversy, okay? And, and one group is saying, this is upsetting us. This is really bothering us. Think of that person or think of that group rather as um, your spouse. Think of them as like your, your wife or your husband. And if your wife or your husband comes at you and, and they're saying like, I didn't like the way that you were talking to me. You said this, you said that, you used these words, you used those words and they're upset with you. Even if you don't think that they have a right to be upset, even if you think they're wrong and you want to defend yourself, you want to get defensive, all that, what are you going to do? If it's, if it's your spouse, you're going to go, well, am I just going to tell them their feelings are wrong? You know, or I just, well, I know what my intentions were. So you're too sensitive or you read too much into it or you looked at it the wrong way. You, 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 right? 
How long are we going to stay married if that's how we treat our significant other? We have to go, okay, well, I don't really get why they're upset. If, if that's what the case is, if you don't get it, you, you have to acknowledge that. Okay, I don't really get it. But if what they're saying was hurtful, I need to understand that. And even if I don't fully get it or maybe not fully agree with it, I have to go, if I want to treat my partner with respect, I need to, to go with the guidelines and the boundaries that they have set. And at the end of the day, that's how we have to treat each other. That's how we have to treat society. We have to treat each other like someone that we're living with because ultimately we are all living together in one society. So we have to respect each other. If somebody is saying that something you're doing is demeaning to them um, or oppressing them or whatever, even if you don't agree, you have to hear them and listen if you wanna treat them with respect. And ultimately we're only gonna grow as a society if we treat each other with respect. That's really what it boils down to. So that's my that's my piece on that. Um, I hope the conversation continues. I do also hope that, um, that Chance and I hope that the production company of One More Chance gets in on the conversation because I will say that right now I'm kind of disappointed in Chance. I'm kind of disappointed in the production company because they've been staying silent about this and especially the production company. Why is this all falling on New York's shoulders? Like, why is it all on New York? I, I get what she did was not cool, but she has come around. Why not the production company? Why not Chance? And why is nobody holding them accountable? I think there should be some accountability and I think we got to go start having some discussions about what are we going to accept as drama in reality television shows from here on out and what's going to be going too far. When we start stepping on or laughing at or mocking or making them the butt of the jokes as far as marginalized groups go, that's just one thing that we just can't have. You know, we just can't have it. So that I think needs to be addressed at some point. But for now, I'm happy that the conversation is is happening at all. I think it's a really positive thing all in all. So with that said, I am super excited about my next guest. I love her so much. She's such a great woman, such an intelligent, funny, in-your-face, bold woman. Gotta love her. Here is Dara, aka Like That. What's up, Dara? How are you? Great. Thank you for inviting me, babe. This is like fantastic. You know I'm happy to support. Oh, I really, really appreciate that. That means so much to me. You know, I've been doing this podcast for almost a year now. And one of the things that is is cool for me, because I, I know how I feel about each of the characters on the show. and I know who like my favorites are, but it's really cool to get to see how all of the fans of these shows respond when I'm like, I'm, next week I'm bringing on this person or that person and just getting to see like the excitement and the enthusiasm. And there have been some specific characters from the Of Love shows that have stood out as far as like the response that I've gotten. And you are certainly one of them. The response from fans was huge. Everybody was so, so excited that you were coming on the podcast. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah. I- I don't believe you. I, believe you. <laughs> I mean it. You'll. I mean, I'm surprised after all these years. I'm not even going to date us. I'm not. It's been, we going into almost, you know, some, we passed a decade with both of these shows, you know? And so it's kind of like, yeah, silent pause. There's still got fans out there. That's, I totally agree. I mean, I felt the same way. I, it's, it's really amazing. And I think from what everybody says, it's, and I totally get this, it's it's the whole nostalgia factor. It's like things were just so much easier back then. Everything's crazy now. And it's just kind of like the go-to shows that everybody like 
felt good about, you know, but you specifically, you know, the one thing that everybody was saying about you is they, a lot of people felt like you were kind of like just dragged through the ringer and not really treated with a level of respect that people thought that you deserved. And, you know, it's interesting comparing times, like what was, I mean, certain things were never acceptable back then, but things were like more acceptable then than being like 2003, 2004, 2005, as compared to now, like there's so much that we wouldn't, that wouldn't fly. You know, um, we've had a couple of episodes about, you know, uh, the transphobic comments back then, which there was a lot of people are always accused of like, quote unquote, looking like a man, you know, and then, and also the body shaming, it was pretty intense back then. And, you know, you watch it from like through the goggles of today and you're like, holy shit. Like, I can't believe how bad that was. Yeah. So it was, yeah, I mean, so you live a life because yeah, you live a life and you just laugh everything off. It doesn't matter because you think of yourself internally and externally as as one way, you know? And you know there's some ignorant people out there that think of you as another way, but you it's not in your mind to think of it, right? So reflect back now, especially since I've gone through a serious transition. I like bubbled up to over 300 pounds. I lost 150 pounds, you know? That's awesome. I'm even smaller than I was when I was on that show. It was like, and I and I don't have a problem telling people that I got bariatric surgery. I'm not going to spend this whole, you know, show talking about that. But I don't have, a, you know, that there's that whole stigma about, you know, going and having surgery to lose your weight because of that kind of shaming. You know, like, oh, I must have been upset because I was big. No, honey, I was so sick I couldn't move. I was on a cane for six months. Oh, That's wow. another story. You know, it was really, it's a, a, and it's a very serious transition. So, you know, you know what I mean? It's a lot of work. It's not just going into the hospital and getting that thing, but back to, back to the situations, like you don't think about it. Like you, you don't, you, you don't, you didn't think about it like then, like you just, you laugh the whole thing off. And even when we're watching the show afterwards, it was funny to me. Oh it's yeah. Funny it's really not. Now when I look at it again, it's not funny. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was funny myself. And I was the one that was on the brunt of the joke. I, you know, ignorance is bliss sometimes, but then you reflect and you realize now we're in 2020 or 2021. We're in our 2020s. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We've got got plus size models everywhere. Yeah, it's great. We've got plus, we have plus size lines everywhere. Lines of clothing. Yeah, I'm kind of mad. I lost all the weight because somebody's (laughs) anymore and I don't you know it's really kind of funny and we do see a lot of things like you know where I mean I'm from New York so I always participated in the pride parade even when I wasn't a union actor now I'm um when the committee comes back I'll be on that I'll be on the union committee as a a new member you know trying to help and do a lot of different things and these were things I was always proud of but there's a bigger presence now so it's a bigger deal to participate in these kinds of programs where you know we in New York, it went to the parade because it was a party when you were 19 years old. You know what I mean? You couldn't wait to get out. I went to Syracuse, so you couldn't wait to get out of Syracuse so that you could go and you knew that the end, that you know June was coming. And if you even stayed home and, t- and took classes like over the summer, you was coming home for pride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gang, spray, black, brown, yellow, and, and different. It was a celebration. That's so awesome. It's always been the thing that you, it's always been a part of my life. I've never been without anybody that was, you know, transgender friends when I was 17. Didn't even know what that was. <laughs> That's cool. 
I dig that. That's awesome. You see how much life is different now when you don't think about it. And now it's like, it's like, it's got such a huge space. It puts tears to my eyes, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one thing that's really cool about New York, and this is a lot of the reason I've always loved New York and New Yorkers, is New York is like the, the textbook definition of melting pot. And um, it was really funny. You and I were talking for a few minutes before this. And it was really funny because I grew up in, in Dallas, Texas. And I'm like little white girl in, you know, suburban Dallas. And like, I think probably I went to public school. I probably had, there was maybe like one or two black kids at my school and maybe like one or two Asians and maybe one or two Hispanics. And that was it. And it was just all white people. But I think the reason that I was um, very open to it is because I was always in music and art. And so diversity was always celebrated in music and art. And I think that's what made it so I didn't get stuck in that, you know? But then when I first started visiting New York and I was like, oh my God, it's like every different kind of person you can possibly imagine lives here and coexists here. And that's beautiful. And that's so fucking cool. I always love that about New yeah. York. Yeah, that's awesome. I, there, I used to be the brunette joke in my family. Part of my family is Caribbean. You know, some, some oh, of them really? are from Trinidad. Yeah, some of them are from Trinidad and some of them are from Jamaica, right? And um, even though my mother was born in Tennessee, they were like, I have never been to the Caribbean, not even on a cruise. And they were like, <laughs> What are you doing? You don't even go see your cousins. You know, you don't, you don't know any of, I don't even see my cousins. My cousins are in Queens. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. You know what I mean? Like it is such a diverse melting pot here that you feel comfortable enough, even though I'm going to get there. Trust me, people, I'm coming. I'm coming. Don't worry. You know, but like, it's like, you don't, you don't feel like you have, there's so many New Yorkers I know now. And I've traveled, I've traveled all over the world. Just, just not too many places I haven't been to yet. And I'm going to get there. Right. Not bragging, but when you grow up here, it's like you feel like you don't have to you don't have to leave because everybody's here. You can go, you you know what? If you want to see the Eskimo, I know a place in the Bronx. <laughs> that's, that's not really true. But that's how you feel. <laughs> right, right. I get feel. Yeah. There are Texans here too. They always have been and they always will be. And don't forget you got Neiman Marcus and I got one right around the corner. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's great. I love that. But you look fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Everybody's going to be shocked when if they haven't seen you already. I was already seeing photos of you on Instagram and how much you've transformed. And, and I've, I've known people who've gotten that kind of surgery. And I know it's not just like, a, oh, I just get the surgery. And I'm like, and suddenly I look, you know, like, um, you know, Pamela Anderson did in the eighties or whatever. And it, it's, it's work and it's like, it takes a toll on your body. And, um, and actually that was going to be the next thing I was going to ask you. I, you sort of answered it already, but you were talking about how you did this for health reasons. I, from what I've, personally have observed, um, sometimes I feel like sometimes the pendulum swings too far. The, like if it's on its way to the right direction, if like over here is wrong and over here is right, sometimes we get too, too ahead of ourselves. Um, I feel like sometimes people who are, are more voluptuous, more curvy, uh, and then they lose a significant amount of weight. Oh, perfect example. Um, was it Adele, right? Didn't she just lose a whole bunch of weight? She kind of got yep. a lot of hate and, and people felt like she was, um, running away from her larger self and, and basically, saying that it's not okay to be that we need to be thin. And, and it was, is sort of regurgitating that same thing of like, we should be thin. That's just how it should be just because, you know, but have you gotten people that kind of give you shit for, for having lost the weight? And, and what are your feelings on that? Exactly. I personally have not gotten any, you know, like fan haters or people inboxing me about like losing this weight. 
You know, in the beginning, when I was trying to work with a lot of my family and letting them know about the process, a lot of my family were not, they did not understand this process at all. They just heard bariatric surgery and they were like, you're quitting. Wow. And I had to explain to them that I'm going to have to spend, you know, 18 months or eight to 10 months with a nutritionist helping me understand the nature of, of what I'm about to go through and why I'm choosing this, you know, regardless of how many medications I had been on or that my blood pressure wasn't regulation being regulated at all, you know, or I had pernicious anemia for years that could not be fixed. Wow. You know, these were like small things in the mindset of it. No, it's not cancer. No, it's not leukemia, but these are things that are wearing that were wearing on my bones. And so that part of it was like not really disheartening because I knew it came and they and they already were like, you know, discussing it with me and all sorts of focus groups and things like that that you're required to go to, you know, and they let you honestly let you know, you know, you have to start explaining to people what this really is. They don't understand. I had the best surgeon ever. And he said the same things. People are very not, they're not very knowledgeable about what is happening. You know what I mean? Just think it's like that old school stomach stapling, that bypass, that Al Roker guy, and boom, you know, next to, you know, you saw him go from a big balloon to like a little guy with a big head. <laughs> you don't want that to you you know you shouldn't do that there's so many other ways to do it and I'm like man I've been on every diet under the sun I don't need a diet I oh don't eat I was vegan for two years I'm still pretty much a pescatarian awesome. I do like venison I'm sorry you know <laughs> <That's> okay uh, <laughs> to each their own I don't eat a lot of carbohydrate never have you know can't really eat it anymore now right was on like you know was crazy about my exercise which is why I ended up becoming an actor because I wanted more movement in my life not sitting behind the desk I was doing marketing for years but I was always the runner in the marketing and then I spent my college years as a waitress and if you've ever been a waitress you know you're on your feet for 14 hours mm-hmm. so I've never been inactive you know that was that was never the, never the thing it's just that, you know, your body gets a certain age and things stop working right and you don't understand why. And then people start looking at you as if, you know, you're, you're making a personal choice not to do the real work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like that. It's yeah. people. Not, it's not like that at all. Yeah. I have to tell you that a lot of people, a lot of my friends on Facebook and people that have seen me on Instagram, because while I was going through the process. I wasn't telling a lot of people that I was going through the process. They were seeing the changes within me themselves, you know? And then, you know, I'm still going to set. I had spent like a lot of those, those last couple of years, I was on Orange is the New Black. That's and awesome. And everybody was seeing me get smaller. I love that. I love that production so much. I, I, I shout it out because they helped me through a lot of things that were going on in my life that it was a, it was a great group of people to work with. I still miss them, you know? But you know, people started to see me and were saying what happened. And I was like, it was in between, you know, I had my surgery and when, you know, the last season, one season ended and then I, you know, I got better and it was time for the next season for, you know, shoes to start. And they were like, oh my God, girl, what happened? I was like, man, I had to go to the doctor. It was just too much. Wow. They were like, and I was like, yeah. And so the support has always been there, you That's know, awesome. because people, People that know on the inside know it's a lot of hard work. But for the haters, you got to just go and get yourself online and start reading about this. This is no joke. 
You know what I mean? It only gives you maybe 60, max 75 pounds. I lost 150. I went to the gym. I didn't put anything in my mouth I wasn't supposed to. And I burned the rest of this fat off of me. It was hard work. I was I was doing 10 and 12 and 15,000 steps a day. I was a steps junkie. I was like, oh, I'm missing 5,000 steps. Let me go back to the gym then. I can't lay in this bed all day. To this day, I don't sit down. You, after this, I have to drive to my date. You can keep that in or you can leave or you can yeah. take it out. And I tell you one thing, he's going to want to sit down. And I'm like, no, we're going to the bar so I can stand up. No. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, I mean, there is something to be said. A lot of the people who watch this um, this podcast are in their 20s and 30s. And I, I will say, I uh, I am going to be, I'm 44 now. I'll be 45 in, in June. And the one thing that I've noticed is that um, it's like certain things that are just super easy, like waking up in the morning, like everything's stiff. I have to like stretch out. You know, I mean, I was always very athletic myself when I was in my twenties and thirties, it's been particularly hard during COVID because we can't do the normal things that we normally do. But yeah, I mean, definitely like you got, as you get into your forties, you've got to stay on it because otherwise you're like, why is my, why do I feel like an 80 year old woman right now? Like everything is so stiff, you know, and you got to keep moving it, you know? So I think it's a really, really positive message. I, I love it. Um, I love that, that you have had so much success with it and that you are feeling good. I mean, you look amazing. Your skin is like flawless. Your skin is gorgeous. So, you know, you can always tell when you, you can tell in the skin, you know, if people are taking care of themselves or not. So, um, well, no, you got you, you, you to do the work with the process. Otherwise things don't start to look as well as they used to. People that, you know, people that like, you, you got to drink your water. You got to keep up with your fluids. Water and I sleep are huge. I drink a gallon of water a day. That's my, that's like my thing is I drink, I always have a bottle of water. I drink a gallon of water a day. I get minimum eight hours of sleep every night. That is super, yeah. super important. Yeah. And then the exercise, of course. Well, let's get into uh, Flavor of Love because I got lots of questions for you and I'm excited to dive into it. Um, so I actually heard uh, an interview that you did in uh, earlier in this, in 2020 and you had the most interesting story of how you ended up auditioning for Flavor of Love and how you got on the show. Can you tell everybody about that? Oh, yes, man. I, I, had, a, um, I had some friends from college. I had one friend that was just a reality, a VH1 reality TV junkie. All right. And we would get together and have a brunch at her house. All of us were kind of all over spread out in New York. And one girl was in Seattle. Jump to the chase. We ended up with some newer friends, right? And one girl was a comedian and we were just like watching the show and we loved Flavor Flav. I mean, like it was a year in college. I went as Flavor Flav for Halloween. That's awesome. <laughs> I did. And she had the picture and showed it. <laughs> like, you know how you go, you know how you just go to the, you, you go to the frat house Halloween party. I went as Flavor Flav. I had, awesome. a, I had a fake clock she made me and everything. It was funny. <laughs> Same so this Jane girl had a comedian friend of mine, right? I don't even know where this comedian girl is anymore. This is so crazy. And so we were like sitting there drinking mimosas and saying, we need to be on that show. We know more about Flavor Flav than these little 20-year-old girls that are on this show right now. Like they were like, yeah. And the next Monday after we all dispersed and went back to work, one of my friends was emailing me the, um, the call on Craigslist. And then my other friend that was the comedian was like, please do this for me. Come to this audition with me. I'll do it. I'm like, okay. So I dropped it in there and I said, okay, I went. And I was like, I didn't even fill out. You know how you fill out that form. I know mm -hmm. you filled out that form. Or you fill out the email and you want to describe everything that you possibly put in there to get the job. I was like, look. <laughs> I told them, I think, I don't even know. I think I was, what, 
I was a number I'm not going to discuss. But, you know, I said, because you have to give them an age. I said, okay, I'm this age in marketing management. Own, own home. Call me and my number. That was wow. it. Wow. And they, me, and they called her back. And so I went to, I went to this hotel in Manhattan, in Midtown, Man- uh, yeah, in Midtown Manhattan, and um, hadn't filled out any of that that freaking twenty page. You know that twenty oh, page thing we filled insane. out. Lord have mercy, it's like, do I need a lawyer? <laughs> I know, I, <laughs> yeah. And they interviewed me, and I my my girlfriend never showed up. Oh, she didn't even show up. <laughs> she was the one that wanted me to do, you know, wanted us to go and do the interviews together. Like, you know, you do them separately, but she was like, and I was just doing it for support. So they give you the little video camera and get up in front of me and they started asking me 10 questions. And I started telling them the worst stories at the time. I owned a rooming house in Jersey City, you know, a really nice brownstone. But I, you know, I rented like nine rooms and I had like a three, I had like a two and a half bedroom apartment on the main floor. Nice. It was huge. Right. One of these dudes had some crazy girl that was notorious in the neighborhood for being crazy. I started telling them the story about how me and my little super decided that because this girl was ringing my doorbell. My my man had just come back from France. I said, ringing the doorbell. I went to walk down the hall. I'm cooking the dinner. She wasn't there. Then the doorbell ringing again. I walked down the door. I'm, the dinner's on the stove. I'm cooking it. She wasn't there. By the third time, we both ran up in there and she's just, oh my God. She was like, I'm looking for someone. So we were like, we already told you, you can't come in this house. All right. This is not an apartment. This is a rooming house. I tell people who's coming up in here, this is my property, blah, blah, blah. Then she stuck me. She literally snuck me. And I was like, okay, no problem. Oh my I'm God. This, I'm telling this story to producers thinking that this will keep me from ever being on this show. <laughs> Somewhere somebody has the outtakes for the story that I told them and the way that I told to them. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I got food on the table, man. I got, you know, I got food on the stove. What are you doing? So she snuck me, right? And before I could get my fist to her face, here comes my super, who was a great woman to this day. And we whooped this chick's ass all the way down. <laughs> and I'm like, I pay taxes on this. Don't come back here no more. I fucking love it. I totally see why. Are you kidding? I t- if I was in Cassie, I'd be like, get this bitch on the show now. <laughs> I had no idea this is what they wanted. All right. And you know, I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. I right. just try to tell the worst story possible so that I can keep it moving and go back to my job. Next thing you know, you know, well, you know, those were the Bush years. I have no job. The H1 was calling. I was like, I need a vacation. Boom. Wow. That's really cool. That it's, it's so funny how things kind of like have a weird way of working themselves out. You know, it's like if your friend hadn't been like, hey, let's do this. Let's get on the show. I mean, it, it, there's so many different factors that play into how you ended up on the show and how that all happened. And then not only did you get the one show, but you actually got the two shows, you know? So it just, it's so funny how things work out like that. Um, so that's really, that's really cool. So I'm assuming you, so you just said you had seen the the previous uh, season one of Flavor of Love. And so you kind of knew what you were getting yourself into. Um, Flavor of Love season two was really funny. Be- I-, I really liked both season one and season two a lot, but it was really funny because like literally within 20 minutes, there was like crazy drama right out the gate with Safari and H-Town over the beds. And I'm like, I actually had Safari on here um, a- about a month ago. And it's just so funny because um, it was just like full 
180 miles per hour drama, you know, immediately. And so were you there for that? Like, were, were, were you a witness to it? And were you like, oh my God, what the hell have I just gotten myself into? Exactly. Exactly. First, it was the drinks. And I was like, this place has three bars. Mm -hmm. I'm about to be drunk. I'm about to be tipsy every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started making these. I, started, I, you know, I used to bartend too. I started, I just went behind the bar when we took a break and started making these drinks for the ladies, right? Oh, well. <laughs> Next thing you know, fights is breaking out. I mean, I didn't see a fight, but I was like, well, I wasn't behind the bar. <laughs> right? Nothing to do with me as you're pouring your Nothing drinks. I yeah, love it. I was making all sorts of stuff. But, you know, I love Safari, please. I don't care. She don't play. There's no mess with that. Like, you know what I mean? And she's a, you know, deep inside. That's a good, honest, caring person that will always stand her ground. I mean, for me, for her, I mean, like, she's straight Thompson, but that was like, that's how New Yorkers are. They love who they know. They'll protect whoever they want to know and deal with however they do with everybody else. But don't get into my space wrong. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just, I feel like the girls, I feel like the Flavor of Love season two girls were definitely more hardcore than the Flavor of Love one girls. You know, the, the Flavor of Love one girls were, there were so many great characters. Like, I love, love, love Goldie. I thought Shatara was even like really cute and funny and fun in her own way. Um, yeah. Smiley, of course, is amazing. But like you girls, like, I mean, I loved all of you as well, but no messing around. When you had you, we had Safari, we had Bucky, we had, um, we had Larissa. Um, what was Larissa's? Oh yeah, Boots. Um, I mean, these are, you, I mean, you ladies like are not, to, like if you guys are all awesome and, and actually I love um, Bucky. I was a Shay. I was actually on I Love Money 3, which did not end up airing, but I was on that show with her. And if you're on her good side, all you ladies, if you're on your good side, you guys are awesome, fun, you know, hilarious, great women. But like, don't fuck around with you guys either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Compared to the Flavor of Love One girls. Well, I mean, you know, we're women now. And, you know, you spend a lot of years, you, you reflect back on how you were, you're trying to build your career. You know, I mean, I wasn't. I didn't realize it was going to be necessary for me to become an actor until I couldn't go back and find another job because damn near 10 million people were watching this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, but but then you when you look back and you think about it, you understand why people are really trying to, you know, protect themselves from like the inevitable in entertainment. You know, it's just, you know it, I know it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> You never know what you're going to get out of this. Yeah, definitely. You're that's very well stated, and and I do actually want to get into because you've done some really cool stuff. I'm going to say that to the for the end though, but um, you did some like really awesome stuff as far as um acting, which I'm I'm super proud of you for. But um, but let's let's finish these because I definitely I want to spend some time on that. Um, so I want to also ask you um uh da, da, da. oh <laughs> we got to talk about something uh the whole thing about her defecating on the floor you know I that was I felt so sorry for because she was such a great character as well and, and I loved her and then when that happened of course like everybody's in disbelief I actually had Matt Odgers um one of the executive producers on and he was talking about that too everybody was just like in such disbelief but then when you hear stories of like where people are going well actually what happened was you guys were doing the elimination and then um and then she had her own elimination <laughs> um but she they apparently she was 
was asking producers, could she use the restroom? And they told her no and to wait. And that's why that happened. Is that, is that how you recall it? Yeah. We actually were on that platform waiting to, to see who was going to be eliminated for almost two hours, just oh standing there. Um, there was a, from what I understand, there was a situation with H-Town and the ambulance had to come and she needed to um, be attended to, you know? Oh, and um, what was the story with that? I mean, I, that's all I know. Oh, interesting. I saw some flashing lights and she needed to be attended to. And I know that they were really not trying to, um, you know, there's a certain setting and a mode and a mood that you have to be in to be on that elimination platform. And yeah. I really think as far as, you know, producers and production are concerned is that they didn't really want to alarm us to like, you know, some kind of major emergency. So they were really just asking us to stay in that one area because it would have been safer. It mm -hmm. honestly would have been safer. Um, that's not like there was going to be any kind of outburst or injury, injury safe, mm -hmm. but it just would have been like, you know, kind of, a, a, you know, more comfortable. I like see. not to really know what was going on mm -hmm. at the time. And oh, it wow. took longer than they expected. But at the same time, she was asking if she could go to the bathroom because I know I had to pee. Yeah. yeah. I know a lot of us had to go to the bathroom and they kept telling her no. But at some point, darling, you just got to say, I'm going to the bathroom. And yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's true. Like, what, are you going to kick me off the show for going to the bathroom? Like, that's not, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Especially, yeah, we're not filming. We're just standing there. Go to the bathroom. Yeah. It's just, you know. Yeah. I think everybody's initial reaction was like, everybody was horrified and then everybody was shocked. But then at some point you got to like feel sorry for her too. Like, that's how, but she handled it really well though. Like, she sort of just like didn't allow herself to at least look like she felt embarrassed, you know, or at least that's yeah. how I saw it. I, th I thought, I mean, that's really the best way that you can handle that, you know? No, I mean, she tried to hold as much as she could and ran upstairs. That's all you would, that's all what anybody would do. Like, you know, she tried to hold on, but you know, sometimes the body don't, <laughs> when the body don't want to go. That's true. You know? Yeah. Did her, I mean, we were all we were standing out there for like two hours. I give her her due diligence. That's a long time to have to go. Yeah. You know, like it's gurgling, things are going to happen. Things are going to happen. You know? <laughs> and it's unfortunate that it happened while we were rolling, you know, what can you do? That poor girl, that poor girl. Well, the eliminations were brutal because I mean, I mean, having to just stand, especially most of us were wearing heels, but just having to stand, you know, there's something yeah. to be said for just standing. If you like, I can walk all day, but if you're just standing in one spot and you can't move and then also then there's the nerves and then there's the lights, the lights kind of beating down on you is kind of intensifies the whole entire thing. And then you're just, yeah. you're there forever and everybody's quiet and, and it's usually like too cold or too hot. And yeah, it's, it, those eliminations were brutal and they did last a really long time. You know, yeah. when you watch them back on the TV shows, it looks like they go by relatively quickly, but we're, we're there forever and it's nerve wracking as hell too. Yep. Agreed, 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 agreed. It's, it's terrible. So then imagine adding like another hour to the fact that we still haven't even gone to the process of eliminations there. Of course. And you got, you know, you're running. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. <laughs> Poor girl. So one thing that was cool for you too, is I felt like this probably was like, um, like boosted your your confidence um, for being on the show. You actually won one of the first challenges. I think it was the um, the blind speed dating. That's right. Yeah, you you won. That was like one of the first challenges, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, if not the first one. Yeah, but you won that, and um, so that had to like help your confidence. Like, how were you feeling on the show as far as like being in a totally 
foreign, strange environment and having cameras on you 24 hours, which is totally new. And then like with all these people that you don't know and then Flavor Flav, like, holy shit, it's Flavor Flav. Like that, there's an element to it of like being starstruck, you know? And so, so how, how are you feeling as far as your confidence goes on the show in the beginning, in the beginning of it? I didn't know what to do. So I just did myself, you know? You know, I, I honestly didn't know what to do. I just tried to get to know everybody, you know, where my boundaries were with everyone and was, you know, pulled out all of my mother's manners. And no, I didn't understand why there was a camera with a big light in my face all the time. And yes, I be I hadn't hated having that mic up on me. The freaking thing was digging in my side. It was like, you know, this little wire is sweaty. You, you know, these are things I, no problem now. Well, then it was a problem. You know, I didn't know what to do, how to react, who was going to be doing what, what was going to happen with whatever, who was like a drama king. So a lot of times I kind of just sat back and let people do their thing and kind of giggled and laughed all the way through it, tried to make friends with who I could make friends with to enjoy the time that I was there. But it was, it was very something I was definitely not accustomed to, just definitely. Yeah, it's it's wild, a very wild experience. And and you guys actually had some really cool experiences within the experience of being on the show. I thought one of the cool um one of the cool things that you girls got to do was when you were doing the challenge where you had to clean the house and then you yeah. and then you girls found out like Warren G, like, oh my God, I was in high school when we were all listening to Warren G. Like that was so cool. And then yeah, three six mafia, DJ Quick, yeah. the Yin Yang twins, like I mean, like major, major stars in the music world are suddenly like, there they are. Like that yeah. had to have been a freaking trip for you. It, I mean, it was a trip to see Warren G. Yeah. He's it like was. iconic. I mean, it was, it was a trip to see everybody, you know? And was I starstruck? It was just nice to see people kind of hanging out, relaxed mm-hmm. and not performing. Like you could actually have a halfway decent conversation with somebody instead of like watching an interview, you could actually see, hear and feel and taste and smell an individual and know who they are. I mean, as best as you can in a 15 minute or 45 minute conversation, but you walk away with a different impression of someone when you really get to have to, you know, get to talk to them. I spent a lot of time talking to Warren G and I'm like a down to earth brother I, to this death. Hi, Warren. <laughs> if Warren G is watching this podcast, I will like, I would be I so know, happy. Right? <laughs> but, you know, it was a really nice, it was like, that's a good dude. He was just calm, honest, relaxed. Okay. You know? Really good, decent people. That's so cool. There's nothing more awesome than when you finally get to meet these these um, stars in the music world, or, or or in movies, or whatever you're into, and you get to meet them, and it's like holy shit, they're like there they are in the flesh, and then it turns out they're like really really nice too, and they're really down to earth yeah. too. Like that's the coolest. Yeah. That's the coolest. That's awesome that you had that that opportunity. And one thing that I also thought was really, really cool and really bold and brave of you is like totally something I would do as well. And I was like, you go, girl, was um, when you just decided just to do like a, a, I can't remember if you did like a, a dive or a cannonball, but you just like jumped with all your clothes on into the pool. Like, I'm like, that's such a cool move. 
Yeah, I did that before. <laughs> that was, that's one of the signature things that we used to do was just jump in the pool with our clothes on because before you get pushed in, you're just going to jump in. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah, it was like, yeah. And I dove. I used to be a lifeguard. So it was very easy to dive. So I dove. And nice. nobody thought that I would be able to dive. I was too big to be oh, diving. Jesus. I dove. <laughs> <laughs> well you showed them <laughs> I fucking love that though I, I really really do because also at the end of the day this is a competition as well and you know every, all these different girls in the house and everybody's trying to get the attention of either Warren G and the other guys that were there or Flav and so like you gotta be creative in making yourself stand out which you did but also I feel like doing something like diving in the pool with all your clothes on shows like how um you, you don't, um, you don't care. Like you're just fun. It doesn't like when I, so I pushed Jess in on, on my season of rock of love. I remember as we were going underwater and I, you know, your brain, you think really fast sometimes in these situations. And as I was underwater, I was thinking like, I wonder if she's going to be pissed or whatever. I'm like, Oh, whatever. She'll probably laugh. Cause it, it was, it was half shitty, but half kind of like a prank. And when she came out and she was so furious, um, I, I, I kind of got, I was getting like prissy vibes, you know, in that moment. Like if I had been Jess and somebody shoved me in the pool with my clothes and hair on, I would have just laughed it off. But you, that, that didn't even happen with you. You took the power away from anybody even thinking like that. And you're just like, I'll just dive myself in, you know? And, and that just yeah. shows that how like laid back you are, like life of the party. I mean, that's the only way to describe it. Like I, I look, I look back at my friends now and it was, I was the old, I was always the one that was trying to make it fun. Cause you go into place and you know, we have so little time on this earth to enjoy ourselves. You ever go to that party and everybody's just standing in their corner. Mm-hmm. The music is low. They're drinking their drinks and they're talking about work. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, come on, please. Yeah. Can we just talk about anything else but the job and who we hate and who is gossiping or what is the next big project? We have so little, we're like, we're, I mean, right now we're entertaining five days a weekers. I was one of those five days a weekers. And I was always the one that was like, no, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. We're not trying to, we're not trying to put any rain on our sunshine. We got one night left. Let's make it happen. So if you saw that come out in that show, because there's little things that I have always done, you just reminded me like, yeah, I'm still doing it today. That's awesome. Yeah, you got to have fun with it. And you can't just be like, you know, stuck in your like society's like standards of how to behave. And this is the volume that you should talk at. And this is how you should sit. And this is how you should yeah. dress. And these are the words you should use. And you're just like, fuck all that. You know, it's it's boring. Exactly. We're already doing that. We're already doing that to get this. All yeah. right. So we should have that time that's ours. We shouldn't even be worried about what is that. That's our time to be happy. It's yeah. all about being happy. You might as well. Like, if you're not laughing, then what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think that's a great, great attitude. I love it. Um, so one thing I also want to ask you about with, um, with Flavor of Love, I know that you said that you were a fan of his prior. Um, I, I, I love Flavor of Love. I mean, I loved him in reality television, but I was such a big fan of like Public Enemy also. He, he's like just so great. And you put him in any kind of entertainment situation and he's like just amazing. Um, but, uh, it would be weird to see him in like a, a romantic setting, but I did appreciate how sweet he was to all the girls. He did seem like genuinely sweet and gentlemanly. Did you did you develop any feelings for him at all? Or did you think that there was even a possibility of developing feelings? Or, or tell me your thoughts on that. <laughs> Girl, I was just so happy to be there around one of my idols. 
he had worked so hard all his life to get where he had gotten. You know, I was just happy to put a smile on his face in any capacity. So, I mean, that young sir, that kind sir, that has been the brunt of every joke, but you don't know, knows how to play like damn near 10 instruments, you know, is a lyrical genius. I was happy to be in that close proximity that close proximity for to someone that I had admired, not just because of their talent as a group, but because of what I already knew what it took to do what he and, and to become what he had become. So my feelings, I guess I got to say, were already there. Yeah, yeah, that you worded that be, perfect. I mean, I'm a lady. I'm not going to be in tears if you don't like me, but I already loved you, baby. Uh. So we get it or we get it or we don't. We just get another one that looks just like him. And you know, <laughs> any other ones that look just like him or after me after that show, Lord have mercy. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's only one. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. And I completely agree with you too, by the way. Um, so let's talk about, um, did I ask you all the flavor of love questions? I think I did. Um, oh no, I almost forgot an important one. Um, I want to talk to you about, um, you had a few, I wouldn't even call them confrontations necessarily because that was a little bit of a strong word, but for lack of better words, confrontations with um, Becky Buckwild about her way of speaking. And I, I thought it was interesting because, I, you know, watching that show when it first aired, watching it in real time, I would have thought that more girls, uh, more of the, um, yeah, more of the girls in the house would have said to her like, hey, like, what's up with that way of speaking? Is this fake? Are you just trying to like, suck up to Flav or whatever. So you're trying to speak a certain way or take on a certain persona or whatever. I was really surprised that more people didn't say anything to her besides it was pretty much just you. And at some point, New York said something to her as well. Um, so what what made you decide to call that out? Like, what were your feelings about her and her whole speaking, way of speaking? What were your thoughts? Well, I mean, the whole reality is, is that, that is, is that Becky was my friend. She was like the one person that was my friend the entire time. And I think just what ended up happening is that like, you know, I might've asked her the wrong way and it just ended up in an argument. I just really wanted to know more about her because she was my friend. And you know, sometimes you make mistakes. You, you know, you, you ask the wrong question, you push the wrong button. Next thing you know, it's a freaking fight and, you, and they got it. They, they got it. They caught us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, you know, to, to this day, I, ne- I, I never really had like a, a real, real problem with what she was doing. I mean, I mean, come on. I'm from New York. There's, 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 there's like a handful of white girls that talk black because they live in the Bronx. You can't, it can't be helped sometimes. People can't get out of the hood that they're in. And then, you know, it changes on them. So it was like, not so much about the fakeness. I just wanted to know how, because she was just from another place, another area. Another I think she's like the- from Rancho Cucamonga. Is that right? In California? I didn't know- I didn't know they had those people like that in it. But I don't know anything about it. So who knew I didn't know. So I was it, you know, I was kind of trying my best to pose the question and it just did turn out like it just ended up to be a fight. Well, you know, but it's it looking back now, knowing what I know now, what I've learned culturally, it does make sense because we weren't really having those types of conversations back then. But since then, we've all learned the phrase cultural appropriation and like, yeah. what, what does that mean exactly? When, does that, when is that applicable? When is that not applicable? And then um, there was a really uh, crazy case about Rachel uh, Dolezal 
who was no, the okay. chapter president at the NAACP. And she was, was saying that she identified as a black woman and everybody thought that she was a black woman. And then it somehow it, it was leaked. It was discovered that she actually was in fact a white woman. And people felt very, very betrayed and very, very hurt by that. And for me personally, um, I the only the only marginalized group that I can speak for is um, women because I'm a woman. But I have a lot of friends who are black. I have a lot of friends who are gay. I have friends who are transgender. So when it comes to groups that I'm not a part of, but I still am am listening and I want to learn, I want to educate myself. This is one that is curious to me um, that I don't fully understand because I feel like in some contexts people are accepting of like, say, for example, Eminem, you know, um, but then they're not accepting of uh, Rachel Dolezal. And, but then like um, Rachel's thing was, she was saying, well, this is, I identify as black, which I guess in black culture is not okay. And that's where it gets into the cultural appropriation. But then, um, but then like a transgender person, if they identify as something that they were not born if you identify as female, but you're born male, that that is acceptable. So it's just interesting to me comparing what, and there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just always trying to learn and understand and what 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 makes one group what what makes each group feel respected because that that's the bottom line, you know. So can you can you like uh, comment on all of that? Wow. I know it's a big one, right? <laughs> I've always wanted to ask this, but I never had the, the context of like the reason to ask it. But Becky, that that brings all this up. No, it's really no problem. I don't have a problem, you know, attempting my best to answer how I feel about that situation. I think that um, we are not, one person is, when a, when a person is transgender, they're not trying to appropriate a male or female culture. Okay, because, you know, uh, a gender identity is not the same as a cultural identity. Okay, you know I mean? that's a great point, it, yeah. It, it, it's not, as far as I understand it, Someone out there is probably going to say, maybe you're wrong, Dar. If you're out there, maybe explain to me. But, you know, when you're identifying to a specific gender, you, it's not the same for me personally as identifying as a race or a culture. Okay. That, that transgender part of your question. Now, as far as Ms. Rachel is concerned and the history of the NAACP, it really wasn't necessary for her to, as I understand it, you know, kind of fill out forms to imply that she was African-American. You know what I mean? Leaving people with an understanding of that she was an African-American, you know, individual. She didn't have to do that in order to become president of the NAACP. That's or a good her point. Chapter. Mm-hmm. There have been national presidents of the NAACP that were not a person of color. I noted at least one time on, on a, I do like a whole Black History Month on, um, in, in February. And one thing I did was about um, uh, the, um, the Hebrew, the Jewish influence in, um, you know, in the NAACP and with Black people. Oh. And there were at least two male Jewish national presidents of the NAACP in its early beginnings. Oh. So for me, knowing, yes, there were. And, um, if you look at that history, it wasn't necessary for her not to be white and still participate and still be a president of her chapter, you know? So, and the problem was, as I remember it, you know, was that 
you know, she kind of got at it when they found out who her family was mm-hmm. because she was allowing people to assume that she was a person of color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Now, if you want to identify yourself as a person of color, I mean, this is going to be a debate against whether you're going to culturally appropriate it. But like right. as example of me trying to ask Becky, well, where, how were you raised? Where did you grow up? How did you do things? I like her, you know, I are surrounded by another culture that is not theirs and they're not appropriating it you know basically appropriation i feel comes from when you are outside of that culture and that influence oh that's trying to yeah recreate it i you know yeah that makes sense in that influence like if i go if i go from new york and i just go pick up a cowboy hat (laughs) and next thing i I come back with a damn texas accent (laughs) and tell you everything you know about dallas and i've only been there I'm appropriating some shit. <laughs> that makes sense. I, that's worded very well. Yeah. But if my daddy moved from Harlem to Dallas, all right, and I know the culture, I'm now doing a two-step. I'm, <laughs> I'm, watching, I'm watching Tim McGraw. I mean, you know, sitting <laughs> all those cats that I'm not supposed to know their name of. My mother is from Chattanooga, Tennessee. God rest his soul. Charlie Pride was her favorite singer. Yeah. You know? So. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a great explanation. I think that's a really good explanation. So that's kind of when I was watching it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm saying it's the only one I got. I mean, it's just one, you know, if, if if you take it and then you're just kind of like doing some kind of copycat parody, then, you know, you just look like what they call a Sambo. Like, you know, you're just kind of like in blackface. It's not okay. But if you're just sitting around here raised, you know, born, raised, bred in a culture that's there, you, you know what I mean? That has been, that you have been surrounded around all your life. I know people like that. They don't have really too many associations with anybody that's outside of what has been offered to them in, you know, in Harlem or in, you know, the Bronx and they're Polish. Yeah. 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 I know that um, Native Americans get pretty upset by that too. Like, especially when it's like Halloween time and all the white girls are like, I'm a sexy Indian chief. You know, it's like, first of all, we're not Indians. (laughs) Second of all, that's cultural appropriation. So yeah, Yeah. totally. That completely makes sense. And I, I think that's what I, like when I was watching your show, that's what I thought. That's where I thought you were going. I didn't, I don't think I had the words cultural appropriation in my head at that time in 2000, whatever the show was filmed. But having idea of what that was without the words, I that's where I thought you were going with Becky. But what I thought was really sweet though and really shows like the true woman that you are and really showed your heart was even though um, clearly you struck a nerve with her and she got very emotional and she was very upset and um, and thought that she was being accused of something that she, you know, people were saying like, you're, you're not really this thing. You're just pretending to be and she didn't feel that way. And it, and it upset her. And she, she's like, I'm not a fake. I'm not a fake. But, when she got upset and she was kind of like just over it, like, fuck this, I'm going to go home. You're like, no, girl, like, don't go home. Like, stay, come on. And, and you really talked her into staying. And I thought that was really, really just showed your compassion. Yeah. Don't let anybody take anything away from you just because they're talking about you. Yeah. Yeah. I can ask a question and you can, I can ask a question and you cannot like my question, but don't let that make you quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was it. That was a great I message. Didn't I didn't want to see her get pushed out. If she wanted to go, it needed to be because she got eliminated, not because, you know. 
something you said. I said, not because of anybody, anybody that was saying anything behind her back. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. because Flav said it was time for her to go. Right. Right. Yeah. That totally you makes know? sense. But that's very We're adult here. of you. Let's yeah. enjoy this. Let's do our things and let's not get, because you know, we're like a whole bunch of women and it's not because we're a whole bunch of women, but like you just said a little while ago, this is a competition and some people act like it's by any means necessary. They will try to manipulate you and, and you know, cause you to devalue yourself. You know, I'm sure that you had those same experiences and you left the block to know listen i'm gonna be here until someone tells me i gotta leave you're not trying to get to walk out the front door unless somebody was kicking me out with their shoe right yeah 100 100 speaking of being eliminated when you finally were eliminated um i actually thought it was cool how you were eliminated because he basically flave basically said like i've got you in the homie category you're like you're in the friend zone essentially and i mean there there have been way worse reasons on why girls have been sent home by flave so I feel like that was that was pretty cool and pretty real. And in fact, I think that was the same reason he sent Goldie home as well. But how how did you feel when you got eliminated? Were you bummed out or were you like, that's okay, I, I had a good time here? Or what were your feelings about all of that? <laughs> I was like, damn, man, I don't want to go home yet. Yeah, yeah. I started to find my way in that place. I really started to feel comfortable with who was left there. And I really started to like like the girls that I was with. Did it matter whether I win or lost? No, I just wanted to like stay. Yeah, yeah, because you, I felt like you could have lasted longer too. Yeah, I feel like you, yeah, you kind of got sent home like about halfway through or so, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But what was great is then you had another opportunity when you were offered charm school. How, how yep. soon after you were done with Flavor of Love were you offered charm school? How much time was that? Oh God, it was, it was a while. It was months. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was very close to like almost, I think it was like eight months, if I'm not mistaken, eight months later. Oh yeah. That's a good span of time. So it was like a minute. Okay. So had you gotten to see yourself in Flavor of Love before you went on Charm School? You got to watch yourself and everything. How did you feel watching yourself back? Did you feel like did you feel like everything was um, happened the way that we saw it? Or do you, do you feel like some things were changed in editing? Like, was there stuff that happened that they didn't show or any of that? Or was it like pretty real? Well, I mean, of course there were things that were missing. You can't get everything in a 30 minute show and you got to anticipate that, that, you know, you got to, now I know before I didn't, but while it was happening, it's like, you know, it's hours and hours of footage that you're going to get in 30 minutes. And it's probably like now, what, 22 minutes with a whole stream of yeah, commercials? Yeah, or, or like 15, 20, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, you know, so that, with that being understood, you knew, you knew, you, you knew that they're not going to get everything and, you know, they're going to get, they're going to get what they like. Were you happy with how you were portrayed? Oh, girl. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's reality Every- television. It's never going to be like, they're never going to paint you in the most beautiful, perfect, wonderful light. Exactly. There's a few exactly. girls I think they kind of were, but few and far between. So yeah. I, I don't have to say that the thing that was, the thing that I would have to say to answer that question is, is that anything that you saw that was horrible, I knew that camera was there and I did it anyway. Awesome, awesome. You That's know what so, I mean? yeah. So I can't, I'm only responsible for what they caught. It's not like they were sneaking in the bathroom trying to catch me doing stuff. I knew it was there. I did it anyway. I did not care if they got it and it was funny. It was funny. If it wasn't funny or gross or they, you know, used it, like, 
that, you know, we signed disclosure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm either going to make it work for me or I'm not going to make it work for me. But blessed be, it's working for me now. That's fucking awesome. And that's the thing is like, we're we're making a, a fun television show and nobody wants to watch a bunch of girls that are like sitting around and getting along. They they want to see the drama, you know, within reason. So I, I totally feel you um, as far as that goes. Um, so going on to charm school, did you know that, um, what, what, what were you told going into the show? Like, what were you expecting? Did you, what, did you know it was going to be Monique? And did you know that it was going to be um, like, as far as the challenges and how the whole show was the, the format of the show, did you know that's what it was going to be? Or was it all kind of like a big surprise? As I remember, we, when they first spoke with us, I don't believe that they had Monique as the host. But I know that right before we got back, or basically I, because I still, I lived in New York, got got to, to California, you know, I knew, they we knew that it was going to be Monique as our host. And that's when I got like super excited because I love Monique. Yeah, yeah. Like when I found out it was her, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be good because she doesn't play. Yeah. And, She's, yeah, she's like you know she don't take no shit and she's kind of a classy lady. I my form was going to be about farm school and Eddie. All right, <clears throat> I was like going to be a piece of cake. My grandmother was the queen of freaking etiquette. You know, there's not going to be a thing on this show. Not going to know about. Yeah, you're very well spoken. You're very articulate. You're clearly intelligent and educated. And I feel, and I think a lot of people felt this way. You kind of got the the raw end of the deal um, in, in the way that you were sent home. It was just like you were just connected to another person, that person being Hadi Shatar, because you were connected to her in that one challenge where you girls were on the, the bottom four. And like that, it was kind of like guilt by association kind of thing. So that everybody kind of felt like you got the raw end of the deal. Like I, I feel like you could have been one of the ones to possibly have won the whole thing because as you just said, you do have that knowledge under your belt already. I mean, they didn't like that they made that dresser curtains out of my stuff and put feathers on my eyes, lashes. But it was like the only way that we were going to win this fashion show with me being big was to make it a little bit comedic. And I agreed with that. You know, we're going to go, if the sink is going to, if we're going to go down with the ship, man, we might as well be about going down with the ship. And I like that dress, by the way. I was going to ask you about that next. Okay. Because like, it seemed- it's no, no, no. I'm glad you, that was a very natural like transition into that. Cause I was literally going to ask you that next. It seemed, it was hard to tell how you felt because it seemed demeaning. Like, oh, we're just going to put you in some curtains. I mean, they, I'm surprised they didn't say like the tablecloth, you know? And um, it seemed demeaning, but at the same time, I could tell that you were trying to like rock it at the same, you know, as well. Uh, but well, the- you do, we couldn't use any of our clothes. We had to use all of the things that were in the house and nothing else was going to fit on me. Man, so you're just like, fuck it, I'm That's going for it. That's a natural choice. I mean, to make it whatever it was, you can say whatever you want to say about it. Oh, damn, they put the curtains on her. Well, shit, they probably, somebody else, they could have put the curtains on her and made her, made her a Greek goddess too, but we got the curtains first. They could have put the curtains, I don't even remember who the other model was. They could have put curtains on her, but we <laughs> stole those curtains immediately. We was like, snatched. <laughs> you know, because what else are you going to make a dress out of if you need cloth? That's you know true. What I mean? oh. You know, and then they put the spin on that one. Now the feathers. <laughs> yeah, okay. that was a bit much. 
It wasn't that much. <laughs> but like I said, if we're going to go down with the ship, we might as well make it. I mean, I agree for it to make it comedic. You know, I think a lot of my facial expressions, I will tell you this small secret. Okay. Because of that dress, I had to take, I had to take the battery pack to the mic. All right. And totally tie it so tight around my thigh so it wouldn't fall down that it was like digging into the side of my inner thigh. And I was literally like in tears, not because Monique was yelling at me. Right. Can you tell me if I finished yelling at me? This freaking thing is digging me. It's killing me. It hurting so bad. So that's like secret there. They got genuine tears out of me. And that's what it was. (laughs) That's so funny. Screaming on me. I'm embarrassed. I'm this fat. I'm like, well, what the fuck else am I supposed to do, man? The only thing around here that fits me is a goddamn curtain. (laughs) I love your attitude about it. I love it. I love it. And yeah, I mean, you just... You just had to like, you had to own it. You had to work with what you had. So it, it totally makes sense to me. And I will note, oh. I will add, just to reflect back on Becky Buckwild, she was my teammate for that fashion show. Oh, and right. helped me out a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it no, seemed like that. She was good for me for that, for, that, for that challenge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, she was, she was there. She was trying to do everything that she could. I see that Becky, as tough as she is, she definitely has that caring side to her that it, it very yep. much comes across. Let's talk real quick about um, the situation where you guys had to do the challenge where you had to donate your your clothes or whatever that you had. I know Laylene had to donate her her ring. I mean, that was that was brutal. Asking anybody to give away all of their stuff or lose a challenge is a lot to ask. It was a lot to ask. And it was interesting because you were just like, fuck this basically, or at least I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's what you were thinking. But then when you got back to the house, you felt sorry. From my perspective, it seemed like you genuinely felt sorry for Safari because she had gone through this whole emotional, you know, roller coaster while she was there. And then she ended up giving away all her stuff. And then you offered your stuff to her. And I felt like she, she really took it the wrong way. Um, so let's, yeah. let's walk through some of that, starting with the challenge itself and, and what, what was behind your thoughts of like, giving away all your stuff to this store. Well, you guys better be very happy that my mother has dementia and probably will never see this podcast. I gave away a $250 suit and I could only hustle that guy for like, I think what was the tone of like 15 or $25. Oh, brutal, brutal. brutal. We were trying to, we were trying to negotiate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was rough. I, I had a to- I had a little mini Tommy Hilfiger purse that again I got like twenty I think I got maybe ten or fifteen I mean go back to the tape and see what a- I only paid two dollars and fifty cents for that Joker. Oh, <laughs> at that point you're like this it doesn't even feel like you're doing anything good for the yeah. charity and you're just hurting yourself and you're yeah. not really helping them if it's like you're you're giving yeah. them something they think is worth two dollars you know it's worth way more than that so yeah. I would be like who's benefiting from this because I don't feel like nobody is. I mean, nobody. So, I mean, uh, I mean, the whole premise for me in my mind was the art of negotiation. Like, come on, you know, I'm trying to get as much money as possible for these things to donate this money to this charity, you know, and I'm trying to, I know I'm not going to get the full price, but this guy is like bullpulling me. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're like, we're like in a porn shop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, babe. 
It and was, then for for and then for Safari to have all of her stuff gone, she ain't got nothing. And I, you know, it's a it's another one of those stories. I'm gonna tell you. You know, sometimes you go and you try to do. You got your best foot forward and you make the right. And you do it at the wrong time and it pinches the wrong nerve. And people are emotional and they just assume that you were just trying to act like they don't have nothing. So here, take my stuff as if they're less of a person. But when you're just really trying to, you know, help them out, but you don't know how you're going to get at people sometimes. And that's the, that's the art of making a mistake and accepting the mistake and making it real. You know what I'm saying? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really big of you to say, because when I had Safari here, I said to her, I'm like, I got to be honest with you. I'm like, I didn't really understand your reaction to Dara because when I watched it, I thought that you were just being compassionate. And I thought you were just being like really sweet. And I, I didn't understand her reaction to you at all. And so when I asked her on the podcast and she explained it to me and she's like, yeah, I just made me feel less than and whatever. And I, and I know that wasn't what your intentions were at all, but that's, that's how she took it. And so the way she explained it, and, I, and obviously you get it now too, but um, it really clarified like, oh, okay. But it, it just goes to show how, how stressful and um, emotional that environment of that show was because it was yes. easy to get set somebody off even if you don't even mean to i mean it's hard we're first for we're, we're competing for a charity we like we you know i like the idea of charitable stuff i, I, I belong to an era, an organization where service is seriously important and charity is important so that part of it didn't bother me you know what i mean but then it's the stress of who only have a little bit of time to try and get the maximum amount of money for your things. Right. You know what I mean? Then you got only have a little bit of time to decide what of your things are you going to give away. Mm-hmm. And then you have a little bit of time to figure out what of your things that you're going to give away are going to make the best value so that you can give money to this charitable. Yeah. Right. All those are, those are big decisions to make in a small period of time where your things, they are yours. You worked hard for those things. We don't know where we all come from. We don't know how invested we are in our things. People can look at the show and assume that it always oh, just material stuff. You'll get it again. No, we don't know if Safari was going to ever get that stuff again. I don't know where she lives. I've never been to her. I mean, you know, right. you know what I'm saying? And, um, and, and so when you see someone crying, you know it's because of the stress of what we're going through at the time. Mm-hmm. And I felt like you were just like, how can I make this better? That's how I felt like yeah. you were coming at it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, that was, that, was a rough, that was a rough challenge. And then let's talk about um, the whole, the thing that was just such a, the, one of the crazier moments of the whole entire show, of course, was the missing picture frame incident where Laylene was, had her picture frame taken in. And it turns out we know who did it, but it was kind of like the blame was put on um, on Safari, on Hottie, because she had already done these kind of pranks in the past. But this time she actually didn't do it. And so did you, how much were you in the know as far as that situation? <laughs> I did not know anything about that. I didn't know what was going on with that thing until the end, you know? Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And like, go ahead. I, and, and that sucks. And then because you got linked to her because of that incident, but then you were linked to her on the challenge too, then that, that got you sent home, which once again, didn't really seem like a, a justify reason to send you home. It seemed like you got, you kind of got gypped. Did you feel that way too? I mean, I totally felt like that. I got gypped. I mean, if you look at my exit interview, I'm like, man, man, <laughs> yeah. Man. 
<laughs> I don't want to go home yet. I have so much more to learn. I'm like so mechanical. I'm just like, come on, dude. Yeah, yeah. I'm like the midway kid. I make it to halfway through the damn season, right? Just when I'm really getting good and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my energy up and I'm ready to freaking finish this out. They're like, get the fuck out. Yeah, like, that's... <laughs> That sucks. It's like such a like a kick in the shins too. It's so, it's so lame. Were you offered to do any other shows like I Love Money or or anything else? Or did you talk to the producers after that? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a bummer. I think you would have been. And of course, we all know what happened. Everything fell apart at the end anyway. But um, but uh, anyway, Dara, I'm so sorry to cut you off. I I gotta let you go. But um, we're running out of time. But I did before I let you go. Um. I wanted to read you a comment from somebody on YouTube that I thought was really cool that they said about you. Because a lot of people like to send in their questions and stuff, but for you, um, they had questions and comments and this was my favorite. Um, somebody going by the handle JSG2021 says, Dara was one of the most genuine girls from Flavor of Love. I felt so bad the way they were body shaming her when in today's world, so many women would kill for her body type and shape. She was beautiful inside and out. She was very funny in her confessionals. And I praise her for the, I praise her for the most for never backing down and for standing up for herself. It's an honor to hear from Dara. So I, I just thought that would make you feel good. And honestly, a lot of people were, were feeling that way about you coming on. Oh, thank you so much. I, I mean, I appreciate that. I've never... I, I mean, to this day, I'm still working hard at everything that I'm doing, you know, and um, yeah, I'm, quickly I'm tell everybody, to... so I'm sorry to cut you off, quickly tell everybody about the acting stuff, because you've you done some amazing stuff, and tell people if they want to follow you online, find you, how can they do that? Well, I'm on, I, um, you can, you can uh, kind of request me as a friend at, on Instagram as official lights at, I'm on Twitter as, as like that, Twitter is better, you know what I mean? Um, I, I am on Facebook and you can find me as my name, Dara Boyd, if you want to do that. But, I'm, you know, Twitter and Instagram is where it's at these days. So go and find me there like that and official like that. You awesome. Know, and um, I am a union actor, a proud, hard-carrying member. As you know how hard it is to get into this union. Yeah, my husband. Freaking, yep. Yep. Freaking almost four, 12, 13 years in this union now. Shuff, hustling every damn show in New York City. Ended up with a little nice feature in Tower Heist, you know, Eddie Murphy and Ben Stiller and those guys. Awesome. Got myself a good, nice feature. I was, you know, you know, as, as an inmate, I'm like, I was naked. I was not naked. I was in the shower. I was out of the shower. I was the big girl then that was always showing up. Oh, there's Dara, there's Dara. You know what I'm saying? Ended up with a lot of friends on, on Orange is the New Black. So still cool. trying to work, still trying to do whatever is here. That's you know? so awesome. Well, congratulations on everything that you've that you've done for yourself. It's amazing. I wish you continued success. I know that you're gonna have it. And Dara, this is like just such a you're just such a wonderful woman. And it was such a pleasure getting to chat with you. So thank you so much for coming okay. on. I appreciate it, man. Much success to your podcast, honey. I know you got to go. Anytime you need anything, just call because I'm happy to support all of us from that day. And this is the one where, you know, this is between you and me, Lacey. I'm glad that you called me because I'm always looking to see us. You know, we're the original. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, the rest of these cats out here are not, did not have to go 
went through because we were round one of all of it in the beginning. Yeah, you know, so to see us out making making something out of it with ourselves after all of these years later, I'm about to support you in any capacity. That is who I am. We have to support each other. One hundred percent. That was I couldn't have said it better myself. I completely agree. Ladara, take care. Let's stay in touch. Definitely, you got my number. If you need me, beat me. Likewise, take care, girl. Bye. Bye. That was awesome. And I really like the idea of, of Dara's version of cultural appropriation. <laughs> of like putting on the cowboy hat, you know, because that is what I do when I'm not doing the podcast. I'm singing country Western songs in my hat and my, <laughs> and my giant Texas belt buckle. No, I'm kidding. Actually, it was, a, it was a great analogy, but I just laughed because I'm like, I'm so, I love Texans and I love Texas, but I'm just like, I'm so not the stereotypical Texan. And it's really funny to think about it like that from that perspective. Um, yeah, the, the whole Texas like whole thing is kind of ridiculous, but kind of awesome at the same time. So <laughs> gotta love that. But anyway, Dara was great. What a, what a wonderful conversation. I love that woman so much. So appreciative that she came on the podcast. And as you guys know, I also appreciate you so much. And if you don't, I'm gonna say it again. Thank you guys so much for continuing your support of the podcast, especially I wanna thank the contributors, but all of you who watch, who listen, who like, I, I cannot thank you enough. And if you haven't done so already, please, please go on YouTube, hit the subscribe button on the Talk of Love YouTube channel and make sure to hit the thumbs up and uh, make sure to also visit the talkoflove.net website. You can sign up to be a contributor. You can sign up to get the reaction videos. We got t-shirts for sale, all kinds of great stuff. So make sure to check that out as well. Thank you guys so much for watching. I'll see you next time. Until then, be safe, wear your masks, and don't threaten me with a good time. Bye, guys.